So this morning, uh, probably every year I do this chat on the purpose of the church and why are we here and, woo, exciting, you know? How do I regurgitate this message? It's like Christmas, oh, you know, like, how do you reteach it? It's, it can be hard and challenging. But this year, because of our meeting, I'm going to actually cheat. I have a section in our meeting later to cover a couple slides. I'm doing them now. I'm going to do them in the sermon because they matter. Um, the leadership team has spent the last two or three years interviewing people, doing surveys, compiling info. New leaders come on board, reteach them, and oh my goodness, it's been a roller coaster of uh, trying to get direction and vision set out for Hope Fellowship. But we've come up with a really cool direction, and we emailed it out to everybody. Everybody has it. Um, you've got it in your inboxes, and you should have read them by now. But I want to explain a couple things. I want to explain why we're here as a church. And I want to introduce it by showing what happened when I showed up. Because I can only go from my pinpoint of when I came to Hope. You know, when we do the Facebook Minute, we ask people, so what brought you to Hope? Well, what brought me to Hope was desperate measures. <laughs> I was looking for a job um, at one particular time, and Lori was getting really frustrated with me. That never happens. But she, she was getting really frustrated with me, and she said, fine, I'll help you find a job. And this is around Christmas time. And uh, so she gets on to the web searching, you know, all these church sites that are looking for pastors and... Do you, how do you like that denomination? Well, what about that one? Sure, that one's fine. You know, like, whatever. It's just really funny. It's a comical time of life. And about 12.31 a.m., she goes, Mike, get over here. I found it. I said, what? No way. Yeah, look. And there was an ad online. Perfect church seeks perfect pastor. That was the ad for Hope Fellowship looking for a pastor. <laughs> and then it said dot, dot, dot. Well, not really. And it explains everything. But uh, everything fit. And we said, okay, yeah, that, that's up my alley. I like that, like that, like that, great. And so we emailed Jen Shaw. I actually knew her from Bible college. And uh, she said, well, thank you for your submission of your resume. But we're right in the middle of candidating somebody. It looks pretty solid. But we'll, keep, uh, we'll hang on to your resume. You know what that means. So we were bummed out thinking we could come back to KW because we were living in Fort Erie at the time. Now, at that point, I was pretty frustrated. I wanted to find a new church. Next six months, I was frustrated, trying to, trying to help God out find a job. And I won't tell the story of what happened. Well, I, almost, I almost had an interview at a church that I thought was my perfect job. And on my way there, God said, no. That didn't go over well with Lori. This is, this is, this is before my interview. So at least I can say, I'll say yes to the interview, and then I'll fake it and say no later. And no, couldn't do that. So then I spent the next three months, the summer, resting in Christ, the very message that I'd been learning. And I didn't look for work anymore. And I actually found that I loved my church, loved my job, didn't need to move. Fantastic. Things are good again. Woo! You know, it was wonderful. And then I get this phone call a couple days before my birthday. Hey, Mike, it's Hope Fellowship. Would you come and interview next week? I thought, what? And uh, one thing Lori and I agreed on after I, on my own, said no to a job, um, she said, let's both decide on something. No more looking for work. 
No more sending resumes out. God, God's big enough to get a hold of us. No problem. And if you interview, I go with you. <laughs> well, because my personality, I can almost find all the good, just even if it's, ooh, there's a sliver, I got it, huh? you know, and just kind of find my way there. And um, I could, she heard the conversation, and I was about to say, no, I'm all good. And she went, hup, hup, hup. Don't, don't. So I said, sure, we'll come. <laughs> and this, it just happened pretty quick. And in 2003, December was the first Sunday I started teaching. We had 22 people in a little tiny classroom in Waterloo. This is the first church I've ever been able to begin teaching grace as I've come to understand identity in Christ and stay the course. The other church I was at, I was learning it, but trying to transition from legalism to grace, it was really, really hard. Really hard. So coming to Hope Fellowship, I found warmth, a small family, and hungry people. And we've not tried to grow. Not that we're not trying to grow, we're, we're just not trying to make it happen. God's bringing people from wherever, and they move people in and out. You know, it happens. So as we were going, and we began to continue to grow deeper in our understanding of God and his love for us, and discovering he wants us to grow up, we came up with this image. This is our logo, and it's actually on purpose. Can you believe that? There's actual meaning to this logo. It's on the wall. And it's there to remind us. And I want to walk through what the purpose of this logo is. And if you've heard before, too bad. We all need reminding. We really, really do. And perhaps just because you saw it one way, maybe we can shift it and go, ooh, I didn't see it quite like that. And that's what I hope today will be. Let's take a look. The Hope Fellowship leadership team has come up with a new mission statement. It used to be quite long. There's no way you can memorize it because it's just too wordy and... Now we've come up with a very, very simple one, and this is it. This is the purpose, the mission of Hope Fellowship. It is this. Help people understand, believe, and experience the love of God. This is when you go, what? That's amazing! Wow! Does it seem a bit generic? Who thinks it looks a little bit generic? Because that's what I've been told. Okay. That's because it is. It is a little bit generic. But I want to teach you something different about generic. That is a surface perspective. If we just see it as a nice little sentence, then it's going to be boring. And go, wow, I cannot sign up for that. How many have seen the movie National Treasure? Good. It's a great movie if you've not seen it. In this movie, they come across a constitution, uh, whatever they call it. What was it? What was the thing they were after? The document? Declaration of Independence, thank you. Apparently on the back, and they didn't know this, there was a map. But these guys couldn't see it until they found some spectacles. So I've, I'm going to show you the clip in the movie when they discover what they thought was a generic back of a parchment paper, and they see something very, very different. So let's, let's see if we can catch this. Lights out. Turn it over. Careful. Spectacles. What is it? Is it a treasure map? 
It says here at the wall. Spelled with two E's. Take a look. Why can't they just say go to this place and here's the treasure? It's really quite something. It's, uh, it really is remarkable. Take a look. Parkington Lane. Beneath Parkington Lane. So, generic until you change your lens. Andrew was saying something earlier. I didn't hear the whole thing. I'm sorry. I was distracted by taste testing all the crockpots today. But he's had a lot of questions about faith. I think that is the best place to be for us. Because if you're all cocky and have got the answers, then you're going to become arrogant with your answers and unteachable to anything new that God's going to teach you because there is so much more new to learn. There's a lot more new. Sorry. And by the way, it's not new truth. It's just new to you. Big difference. So with the lens, and looking through the lens of grace, Jesus himself, Jesus is grace. I want to walk you through each one of these important words just for a moment so you can catch why we chose these words carefully. The first one is this, help. Help people understand. Help means make possible, to encourage, make every effort. We're helpers. Whether it's inviting somebody, encouraging somebody, loving somebody, help them to understand through practical ways, through teaching, through fellowships, whatever it is, that's why the word help is there. The next word is far more generic, but it has real meaning. It's help people understand. People, all people, any person, each person matters. Whoever you're in contact with, whoever walks in the store as a guest, somebody you bump into on the street, wherever we are, if we're at a retreat and we have a men's dinner using our $50 gift cards at a restaurant, you know, we're being and fellowshipping and releasing the love of Christ. But it's all people. Everybody is on the radar. Everybody. The people you work with, your neighbors, even if you don't like them. They are on the radar for whatever God wants to do. We're here to help people, anyone, all people, whether we go on a trip somewhere else, on a missions trip, whatever it is. It's people everywhere. It's not just in Kitchener-Waterloo. It's not just in Canada. It's worldwide. And you wouldn't believe the connections we as a church already have worldwide. Really? Really? Yes! Because you have a family that's bigger than you think. We have authentic, already established relationships in many different countries. We're not just a little local church. Isn't that nice? No. 
individuals, people, have been making connections around the world already. And most of it's been, hap it's been happening through Grace Walk because of those connections. You guys underestimate the influence and encouragement Grace Walk has been to you and to me. You really, you really don't know. Chat with me sometime. Talk to a couple people who are connected. It's huge. And it's getting better. So helping people understand. Understand means this. Walk the journey until their understanding arrives. We're not here just to teach truth. We want people to understand truth. Get it. Actually make it practical. And we help them unlearn the misconceptions. Because many people who don't, let's say, go to church or believe in God, they do so because of what religion has done. They believe in a God that doesn't even exist. It's been sold through churchianity. It's not Christianity. Big difference. Understanding. We're here to help people understand at its deepest place. I've seen so many people in this church and outside of this church, when the light bulb comes on to know your identity, go, what? It's all done. Oh, and just see that relief and the light bulbs come on. It makes my job worth it. It's like, okay, this is why I'm here. For one person getting it. I just happen to have the benefit of so many. And I'm not the one who's the one doing the revealing. It's happening through relationships. It's God doing it through a context of connections. Boom, light bulbs come on. There we are. People. Individuals. Understand. It's not good enough just to know it. Know-it-alls are useless. And they're usually religious bigots. They really are. Know-it-alls, they think they know everything, but they miss out on relationships. Next. Believe. Oh my goodness, this is huge, folks. Each person would believe is our goal. Without belief, the gospel has no effect. We must believe the good news. Something happens internally. There's a switch that happens. I don't know what it is, and I can't describe it, but when we believe, we discover that what has been declared is actually true, and now it starts to take effect on us. We don't understand the effect it's had in advance, but the moment we believe, everything changes. Everything changes. I know one individual that's part of this family came into a brutal crisis a number of years ago, and all hell broke loose in this person's life. Everything. Everything was shaken to the core. Everything. He says, I don't know what I believe anymore. And then he said, well, no, actually, I believe in Jesus. That's it. He stopped there. That was it. And God had to rebuild his faith. Because he had a religious faith, although a lot of things he was believing was good and it was true, but it was all from a wrong lens. All he had were simple spectacles. God started to put color in. He started to go, Wow, this is 3D. Grace is 3D. This is amazing. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you all had 3D glasses on? And it was all, you know, anyway. Help people understand and believe. That's the goal. Bring people to a place where they can believe in a safe place. Next. To experience. Well, belief is nice, but without experiencing the reality, 
bring it into this here and now, let's say whatever world you're in, at whatever job you're in, how does this good news work practically? I want to feel God. In our Western world, we don't talk about feelings too much because we associate feelings as opposite of facts. No. When the facts seep in, the truth, the reality of Christ in you seeps in, you're going to start to feel the reality of who's in you already. There is a connection. Remember, he's made us emotional. We don't live from emotions, but our emotions are responders and they're beneficial to us. To experience, to walk in victory, to, to walk out the journey, to experience the joy. Okay, this God's in me. Wow, that's the difference it's making in my life? That's the experience. Next, love. This can be the most generic word, but it's the most profound word on this list. In the Greek, there are four words for the word love. In English, we only have one. I love burgers. I love my wife. Same word, okay? Not fair. But in the Greek, it goes like this. Storge is a parental love. You have phileo, fish. Just kidding. That is more of a friendship love. Then you have eros, to get the word erotic from. And then you have agape. If you were to study the New Testament and find out how few times the word agape is there, you'll see why. Because God is agape. God is love. And that word agape is an others-centered love. Never self-seeking. So when we read that text in 1 Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind. They probably had the wedding yesterday. Isn't that sweet? You know? But if you hear it wrong, that's the to-do list for married couples. It's not true. Nobody can live up to that. Love is patient, love is kind is the fruit of agape already in you. You've got it all. That's good news. Next. God. Who is God? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one Trinity, the circle dance of love. The early church fathers called the Trinity the perichoresis. Peri is perimeter, choresis is choreography, dance. God dances. Amen. Sorry, Baptists. <laughs> he dances over you, in you. And through you. And when you come to the place to believe you're fully accepted, then and only then can you begin to feel the authentic love of God. And when you feel the authentic love of God, it will begin to transform you from the inside out. And when it starts to transform you from the inside out, others are going to see it whether you like it or not. You don't have to try. It just happens. What's your role? Rest in Him. He gives you the directions of what He wants you to do, who He wants you to love and reach out to. This is our mission statement. This is why we're here as a church, and each word matters. Help people understand, believe, and experience the love of God. That's our goal. Is that good? This is good news. This I can sign up for. And that means, listen, especially if you're ministry leaders of any ministry in this church, if you're a participant in any ministry, if you're a Sunday school teacher, a cleaner, a greeter, kitchen help, you name it, helping in the nursery, this is your goal. 
All of us need to sign up and say, this is what we as a family are all about. So when you're greeting out there, you're dealing with loving every person that comes in that door authentically. That means we're going to learn to start to be a little more sensitive to each other. It's also going to mean we're going to have to drop some of our barriers and become a little more transparent, which is going to be scary for many people here because I have discovered something about this church. And I wondered why I was having conflict at different times over the last 12 years. We're mostly introverts. <laughs> That's strange to me. I finally clicked in and went, oh my goodness, we're mostly introverts at Hope Fellowship. I'm not. <laughs> but I have, a, listen, you guys do this too, okay? Introverts, extroverts, you do it to each other. You treat the other person from your lens. And you have an expectation, since I'm an introvert, you need to also be. Extroverts, you need to be an extrovert like me, and I'm going to treat you as such. That's not love. That's misunderstanding. We need to understand each other and go for the heart and realize we've got some really, really good people here. Some of their outer crusts are pretty annoying, but we've got good people here. You know exactly what I'm talking about, folks. Okay? I got crusty on the outside, too. So what? But you've had enough time to know my heart. Every single person in here is good. Every person here is worth getting to know. And if you understand this, it'll make all the relationships here better and have a greater purpose for it. Take a look at this. Our vision. Mission is what we're about. Vision is what we want everybody to look like in the future. Here's what we want to look like in the future. Healed and whole people who are free to be themselves in Christ. Healed and whole. We live in a broken society, in a broken world. We live in the Western culture which has a broken gospel. The gospel of the West is, if you, then God will. The true gospel is God did it. Now believe it. Big difference. It has changed my lens. I see people differently now. I can more authentically reach out. Not look at baggage, because baggage is not your identity. (laughs) Thank goodness. But we're here to help people get healed. And that's one thing we identified when, for the last 12 years, this church has become a church for people to come in, kind of sit in the back, kind of slide, whatever, have a coffee, leave early, come late, whatever, and just kind of get healed. Usually from religion. Okay? Hurt and burned churched people. This is a safe place for them. Some have gone back to the churches more whole, and it's been a gift. It's been great. Some have stayed. Some have moved on. They don't like the larger church, so they go to a smaller church. Some have come from larger churches to this church because it's a smaller church, and yet those much smaller churches. Folks, don't knock the other churches, no matter what size they are, no matter how they meet. No one has it correctly. Oh, I want to go back to the Church of Acts the way they did it. No, you do not want to go back to the Church of Acts because they were just trying to figure it out and Paul had so many messes to clean up. (laughs) He was fixing problem after problem after problem. They were becoming. It's a story of them becoming and all the screw-ups with it. 
One church particularly said, we're so full of grace, we, here's the sin happening in our church, and we're letting them. <laughs> Paul had to address that, because that's not grace, that's disgrace. Stop it! <laughs> we're still becoming. House churches. What I have learned about house churches, there is deep meaning in small groups, and we're going to talk about that today in our meeting. But some, and many, house churches have come from disgruntled larger churches because they can't handle the leader. Oh, we're going to be more biblical now. Don't do that. There's value in the small church. There's value in the medium. There's value in the large. There's value in the corporate gatherings, folks. There's value to it all. Don't smirk at them. Go, ha, we're part of that group because we have figured it out. We have a revelation. They don't. That makes us better. That is not the grace of Jesus Christ. Here's how I view Hope Fellowship in its future and growth and everything. It's God's church. If he chooses to grow it, great. If he chooses to close it, great. When people leave, I don't chase people anymore. I used to. Because I felt my identity was being challenged. My self-worth. I've done something wrong. And I've probably ticked off a lot of people because they think we're chasing. But if you realize that this church is not about any one person, and if you do leave, great, let God call you. Remember, God calls you to a church, he better call you out too. Just think about it. That makes more sense. You know, if you're going to leave, leave. But have your reasons established. Here, this is why I feel called to this. This is, this is my direction. Try not to use the terms God told me. Because I can do that too and win. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it becomes a spitting match. Who can, who can say, pull the God card, the biggest God card, God told me this, God. Say, this is where my family and I are leaning towards. That's a really gentle way to express yourself. Or if you're about to share something you've just learned with somebody else. Here, this is what I feel God's teaching me. Instead of, I hear you're learning some wrong things. You need to learn some right stuff. <laughs> like, folks, let us reach out to each other. With the love of Christ, we have come to know. That, to me, is the fellowship I like to see this church become. The verses that have captured our attention over the years, these are the big ones. First, Ephesians 4, 11, 16, not going to read the whole thing, but it says, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him. You're called to grow up into Christ. And he caused the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. We're called to grow up in love. These are big verses. These are huge. The next one is from Galatians 4. Until Christ is formed in you. This is Paul writing. He's actually a bit frustrated. because man, you guys, are, you guys are taking a long time to learn this. But I love you and I will keep on until Christ is formed in you, matured in you. And my favorite one of all time is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This was my revelation. In fact, this church's um, birthing verse was from Jeremiah 29.11. I have a future and a hope for you, a future to be successful, not fail, however it goes. That was a great old covenant text. And then I found the new covenant counterpart. It talked about a hope. Now the hope is revealed. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Hence, hope 
fellowship, to bring people hope, especially when they're about to cash it all in and quit. Last verse, 1 John 2, 12 to 14. Remember, our image has a purpose. Little tiny seed, sapling, and a tree. You can see it over there on the wall, seed, sapling, tree, pretty obvious. It comes from this. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven. Children, seed. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith because you have won your battle with the evil one. I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know Christ who existed from the beginning and I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. A lot of people have not won their battle with the evil one. Yep. It kind of tells you where you are on the scale. <laughs> That's good. But there'll be parts in your life. Listen to this. This isn't a measuring rod for yourself. You, you, this is private. You do it yourself where you want to put yourself. But there will be times when God's going to use you as a mature one. He's going to use the maturity he's placed in you to speak to somebody who is not mature. And then at some point you're going to find yourself struggling and identify with those who are struggling so you don't judge them. Because you yourself have your own struggles and you are learning to be gentle, not judgmental. And the seed, identity, knowing who you are in Christ. It's critical. What's it look like? The seed logo is this. Recognizing his life in me. I want everybody to come to know who they are in Christ. Recognize he lives in you and he is your life. Recognizing our hope. We're confident in him as a simple trusting faith. That's what, that's what this child level faith is. We're more focused on self and who I am in Christ. Don't forget that. Who am I in Christ? That's the focus for child level. You'll see the progression in just a moment. Um, certainly, uh, certainty of our acceptance of forgiveness. That's pretty cool. And no expectations of teens or fathers are put onto the children. Parents, do you expect your toddler to act like a teenager or like an adult? No. Then we shouldn't do that either to those who are children, although some of them think they're adults and are completely acting like children. Okay? It just means you need to treat them with greater love and gentleness. Next, the sapling. Releasing his life through me. Releasing that hope to others. Serve one another is our focus. Competence in him. Now we're starting to grow in why we believe what we believe. The questions we may have, the doubt, starts to get answered. Trust in his life working through us. He is the source. In him, we cannot fail. This is big. Ability. Oh yeah. More focused on who Christ is in me. Not who I am in Christ. But who is Christ in me? That's pretty cool. Now we're getting our eyes off us and onto him. But it happens in progression. Allow children to enjoy themselves without expectations. Look up to adults and seek out a mentor. This is the growth stage. And it lasts a long time. And it's okay. Next one, the tree. Reproducing. Little saplings, don't, uh, like an apple tree, a small one, does not really produce apples. It's, uh, when it hits a certain stage, it begins to have apples, and then it has a ton of apples as it matures. It reproduces. Adults reproduce. <laughs> it happens. It's a natural byproduct of everything in this world. It's true. Just think about it for a minute and go, ooh, yeah, you're right. 
reproducing hope in others, <laughs> discipling. We're confident of him. And we're getting to know God intimately. And we don't, listen, we don't have to have all the answers. We can still have lots of questions and be completely confident in him. He's not called us to be the Bible answer man. The only Bible answer man is the Holy Spirit. Not you, not me. Next, we focus on our union with God. Instead of, who am I in Christ? Who is Christ in me? Now you focus on us. Your oneness. It's not him, it's not me, but we're one. He's not me, I'm not him, but we're one. And you discover what union in Christ means. We allow children to be children and teens to be teens, and all the headaches that go with that. Here's what it looks like lived out in our lives. I'll do this part really quick. I used to believe that the purposes of the church were worship, ministry, evangelism, fellowship, and discipleship, the five purposes of the church. When I discovered God's grace, I realized, hang on, I'm going to wipe this out. And then before I did, I went, no, there's some value to this. How does it fit? So I put it on the back burner for a number of years until I discovered, ha, huh, there is room for these. They're not purposes. We've mislabeled it. <laughs> Hence, we've been distracted with these five things keeping us from knowing Christ. So instead, now I'm teaching, let's focus on Christ, and these five things will be the natural overflow activities of the abiding believer. It's the stuff we get to do, not have to do. We don't do these things in order to become. We do them because we are. Does that make sense? Good. Worship. It's not about me. It's about him. I bet you the worship team has fun with this. Teams. You know, different times of the year, somebody will want to say, oh, I want it done my way. I'm not part of the worship teams, but I've, I've been in part of enough stuff over the years, and I've heard from enough worship pastors and leaders. Somebody's got an ego at a certain time, and usually it rotates. <laughs> Who knows? It happens in any ministry. Somebody wants their say, and they want to push it through. Or even Sunday mornings, I'll hear it here. We're not singing songs I like. It's too loud. It's too this. You know, like, it really, is, it's not about you. What if you walk in here, and it's about a person God has brought in, or somebody here is dealing with something very heavy. You may hate all the songs, but God is going to zoom in on one person and speak to their heart, and because you're here, it makes it easy to come. Are you okay with being a pawn? I want to be a knight. Come with an open hand, ready to be used as God wants to use you. You don't know what's going on in this whole family. Even today, you have no idea what's going on in everybody's heads. And somebody right now is saying, I hope you're done shortly. <laughs> <laughs> so in worship, that's my wife. <laughs> Recognizing his presence. This is what child-level faith is like. Kids just need to recognize his presence. Teens. It's about experiencing his presence. And expressing his presence is the adult phase. Next, in evangelism. Oops, did I miss one? Nope. Evangelism is the contagious enthusiasm of the life of Christ within us. Okay, That's what evangelism is. It's not programs. It's the contagious enthusiasm. You can evangelize wherever you go. You just have this enthusiasm about Christ in you. And you don't even have to open your mouth to preach. Please don't, unless God calls you to. Be real. Be relational. Next, 
discipleship is about maturing in the knowledge of his amazing love and grace. That's amazing. That's what discipleship is. We get to grow. Jesus didn't say, go and make converts of all the world. He said, go and make disciples, committed followers, which is the process of helping people come to know who they are in Christ. So the seed is recognizing the basics. Saplings recognizing the need to mature and grow. And by the way, bark begins to grow on the outside of a tree, making it thicker to withstand the pressures of life. Who was it who said, um, I just saw it the other day, fishermen don't learn their skills to become skilled sea people in calm waters. That's what the young adult stage is for. Okay? And the tree is recognizing the importance of providing nurture and shade for others, bearing fruit and spreading seeds. Mm -hmm. Next, fellowship. The getting together, enjoying the life of Christ in one another. So when we meet, we're not trying to change people. We're saying, Karen, I see Christ in you. That's cool. I want to get to know that Christ because he's the same Christ as in me. Now, how has he come out of you? Let's, let's, let's get to know that. Let's get to know him and the uniqueness of your union with him. Let's talk about that. I finally understand that verse that says, we are singing hymns and songs to each other. And I'm thinking, that is so weird. <laughs> but now, listen. When you have deep conversation, then your spirit sings with the other person's spirit. And worship happens and fellowship takes a deeper level. It's actually not that corny. It's far more real than you ever thought. Next, service. Loving one another in practical ways. We're called to serve. What's wrong with that phrase? It's limited. If you believe, I am called to serve. No, you're not called to serve. You will serve. Because you're in Christ and your nature is of a serving, giving nature. We're all called to be givers, not takers. Sometimes we go to different churches and all we can do is I'm going here to see how they can serve me, get my needs met, my programs, my family, blah, blah, blah. Hang on, that's okay in the front end. Let the Holy Spirit change you and show you that you are called to become a part of a family of people. Lastly, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. This is a beautiful verse for you and I today. There are many people walking in darkness today and yet the light of Christ shines through them, through that darkness. It's there, it exists, although they can't see it. In fact, I think it's in Matthew or John. It says, if the, darkness that is, or sorry, if the light that is in you is darkness to you, then how great is that darkness? But the light's there. So let's look at every single person, everybody. When we say help people, everybody, knowing full well that the light of Christ is shining through every human, everywhere. And they may be totally blind to it, but I trust God's word. I trust what it says when it says that. It's beautiful. Welcome to Hope Fellowship, your community church. Not mine. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you inspire us, Lord, how to love each other, how to reach out to each other,
how to be real with each other, and to be okay with learning how to rest in you. You are a good God. And I pray you take this vision and make it real in our entire church family. Teach it what it means to live this out. And be patient with us, please. (laughs) Amen.